The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. You're with Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Okay, let's get it done. It is Thursday. No, it's not. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Misinformation alert. It's Tuesday, the 12th of December, 2023. I'm Rick Munn. This is uh, Open Line. No, it's not. Hell's Bells, forgive me. It's Locked and Loaded with uh, me and also, of course, Gemma Cooper and my special guest this morning, uh, none other than Jane Black, who's beaming in, who will be beaming in uh, from the Glens of Antrim in the northeast part of Ireland. And she will be joining us hopefully at around about uh, 20 past. And her and I are going to be talking about some domestic issues here on the Emerald Isle, a.k.a. Ireland. So uh, I don't know if you've done this or not, uh, but check out our website. I'm sure many of you have, but we're always getting new listeners uh, by the day. So we have a website, tntradio.live. Uh, you can go on there and of course you can stream the video for the shows uh, there's a little box on the main page about halfway down links through to the youtube live stream you can watch it on there through our uh, website or you can go onto youtube or rumble or odyssey or any of the other major streaming platforms and you can watch the show as well as listen to it there i know some people prefer just listening in which is fine because some of you are out there on the move you can't sit still and watch us so if you that is the case I strongly encourage you to download our app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. Just search for TNT Radio and download it onto your device of choice and you'll be able to stay connected with us at all time uh, when you do that. And of course, massive thank you to all the lovely comments for all the lovely comments in the live chat this morning. I know a lot of you enjoyed that last hour with Darren and so did I. Uh, always enjoyed talking to me old chum Darren uh, live on air and we've been doing it now for the best part of two years. So it's very easy. Uh, for us to have a yarn for the best part of an hour. Now, oh, this whole business, uh, a report has come through here uh, from America. This is US News. Uh, zero public EV chargers have been built since Congress approved $7.5 billion of funding to improve or expand the charging network. Let that sink in for a minute. $7.5 billion American dollars was approved for expanding the EV charging network in America and none, no extra EV charging ports have been built ever since it. So the lowdown in this one is uh, Biden's 2021 infrastructure bill boasts $7.5 billion investment in EV chargers. His administration insists that the country is on track to install over a million public chargers by the end of the decade, but reports indicate that so far not a single one has been actually built. So he has a target of a, a million charging points. And if the word in the street is to be believed here uh, through zero heads, that none have actually been built and installed. A key part of the Biden administration's push to reach net zero emissions by 2050 is to sharply expand the nation's charging infrastructure for plug-in EVs. And I've said this so many times here on this show, and I said this during the last hour with Darren. We Listen, we can read news articles and uh, on TNT we cover news articles and it's hard to know sometimes if they're verifiable or not you know we're taking them from good sources but for me there is no substitute for for getting out and walking around your local town or village or city wherever it happens to be and just observe things that are being reported on in the media so in this case uh, to do with EV chargers I said when I moved down to my new place in June, there are only four 
one, two, three, four plug-in points in the entire city for people to charge their EVs. And I've been here for six months now, and there's still only four. So there is no seemingly expansion on the infrastructure to support more of these vehicles being brought on the road. And there I said, uh, some people are being caught with egg on their face because all of a sudden they have Tesla taxes being introduced and it's now more expensive in some cases to charge the car than it is to fill it full of diesel. And of course, insurance premiums have went through the roof. We've covered that several times this year as well. Some people are being quoted 5,000 quid a year, 5,000 pounds sterling to insure their car. Last year, it might have been, you know, 800 pounds. Now it's up to five grand and some insurers are actually pulling out of the market altogether. So I do believe that this bubble is starting to burst. And the fact that seven and a half billion has been allocated to the infrastructure for these things and nothing has been done since 2021, not a single extra charging point has been made, I think speaks volumes in and of itself. So uh, on that note, I'm going to take a brief pause and then uh, welcome Gemma back onto the uh, podium again and see what she has to say when she arrives here at TNT Radio. Connecting the dots, painting the bigger picture. They always have great conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Always like to get a report from the people on the ground. So in your neck of the woods, Gemma, uh, where you're living at the minute, of course, you know, this isn't scientific. This is just observations as you go out and about. Are you seeing, I am seeing more, to be fair, green vehicles because they've got those little green rectangles on the number plates. I'm seeing more EVs, but I'm not seeing more charging points and I'm not seeing more infrastructure to support them. That's where I am. What about where you live? Uh, I am seeing a few more charging points go up, but thinking about it, I saw some charging points initially being installed. I think it was 2020, 21 near a local leisure center near me. I think there are four or five uh, and that still remains, I think, all there are in one of the towns that I live in nearby rather. Um, in the other town, I live between two kind of old uh, seaside towns here in the West Coast um, and the other town hasn't got any actually, interestingly enough. so And that's more of a heritage town. That's Clevedon that we were talking about uh, not long ago with their seafront uh, debacle, which is now being reversed, thank God. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's an interesting one. I am seeing, I see a lot of Teslas uh, around where I live, a lot. Um, it, it's quite an affluent part of North Somerset, quite an affluent mm -hmm. part of the world. Um, I'm wondering how much of that is virtue signaling now tinged with regret. Um, but so yeah, I do see a lot of Tesla cars. Um, it's a difficult one to gauge why people bought them in the first place, whether or not they feel they, they can't get rid of it just yet because there's no market for the secondhand EVs. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah, in terms of being sold something that doesn't do what it says on the tin, I think there is, mm -hmm. I think there is regret there with drivers. Yeah, I think uh, from what from what you're saying there, the, of course, there is there is a few more charging points popping up here and there, but no way does it keep up. Uh, 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 you've attested to it as well. You see a lot of EVs in your neck of the woods, a lot of Teslas there, but you're not seeing the charging points to keep up with that. And even in Bath, uh, I haven't been through a lot of England, but we were in Bath last uh, June, as you know, uh, for the World Council for Health uh, meeting that was there. TNT sponsored that, and we did some live broadcasting from there. And I was very fortunate to walk around that beautiful old uh, English town or city or whatever you want to call it. And uh, it, what struck me was uh, a lot of the taxi people there were told that if they didn't upgrade their cars to green cars, 
you know, they would be charged humongous amounts of money simply to work in Bath city centre. But there wasn't the charging infrastructure there. I didn't see any charging points for EVs at all in the city of Bath, yet they were pushing all their taxi drivers to invest in green or hybrid motors. So yeah, it doesn't really balance out. Uh, they're pushing for it. Maybe more people are buying it, but I'm not seeing anybody availing of any public charging facilities because quite simply, they're not there. So I don't think this is just limited to uh, Biden's America. I think it's uh, Cooper's Somerset and Munns Ireland as well. Uh, it's not really manifesting itself in any meaningful way. So yeah, and leave us your thoughts. Uh, give us your thoughts about your neck of the woods. Are you seeing more EVs where you live? And if so, are you seeing infrastructure being upgraded to support that? There's no better way to find out than to ask people where they are what the situation is, so please leave us a message in the live chat about that one. Uh, Gemma, you've got another story for us here this morning uh, concerning uh, that hot potato, aka Rwanda. Uh, what's uh, the latest update with that? Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting, actually. It has parallels with the story we're just talking about with the EVs because it's the amount of money that's been thrown at this scheme, um, 300 million nearly, over, and nothing to show for it, just like what we are just talking about with the electric cars. It's not, not the money side so much that I've come to talk about this morning. It's more breaking news that uh, Rishi Sunak has held an emergency breakfast meeting in the last couple of hours at number 10 uh, in his desperate, last desperate attempt to win over Tory migration hardliners who are likely possibly to vote against his uh, his Rwanda bill later on tonight here in the House of Commons. Um, basically, he only needs 29 people to vote against this from the party and it's defeated at the first hurdle, which hasn't happened in the House of Commons since 1986. So he's putting out all the stops. He's trying to win over the hardliners. Um, obviously, for those who are not, not aware, uh, if this Rwanda bill goes through and it, it wins its uh, legal challenge over the Supreme Court, it would formally designate Rwanda as a safe country for asylum seekers. Uh, the Rwandan government would deal with asylum seekers and it the aim is to deter them from coming across the channel on small boats. Uh, some Tory MPs, these are the ones he's trying to win over this morning, believe it doesn't go far enough. Um, and if people are saying, there's a lot of comment on social media saying, look, why are we still focusing on this story when we've got a cost of living crisis and we've got poverty now, really bad poverty and destitution? This is ridiculous. Stop focusing on this. Many people are describing it as a pantomime. But of course, the key issue is, Rick, if he loses this vote tonight, we could be looking at uh, a snap general election because he would have lost all confidence. And one one former Tory leader has come out in the last 20 minutes and said, if we lose a general election now, there's no guarantee the Conservative Party in its entirety could ever recover. And it might see the Conservative Party disappear in the same way that the Liberal Party here in the UK disappeared after the First World War. They never really got a footing after being one of the most powerful political parties for many, many decades. So that's why everybody is looking at this story. Um, you know, there are a few sort of semi-optimistic faces at Downing Street as this breakfast meeting went ahead. We haven't actually had much detail about what was said in that meeting. I should imagine Rishi was just saying, please, 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 pretty please, please. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, the person that said that the, the Conservative Party may not recover, should we have to have an election, is Lord Haig, a former Tory leader. Is he saying that just to spur the party faithful into voting yes? To this bill because he doesn't want to see the Conservative Party destroyed, or is it is it actually a you know a glimmer of truth? What he does say, interestingly, he says politics will change a lot in the next twenty to thirty years. Will it now, 
What's the how? Do, what does he know that we don't know? Where's it going to go? A globalist agenda more? You know, he's saying it will change. And he says, if you step off as being a major world player now and you observe from the sidelines, there's no guarantee you will ever get back on the world stage. So that's what's interesting that's come out of this this morning. Um, you know, if he loses, it's likely we'll have a general election. We we're talking yesterday. If that's the case, we might see Boris back in power. Stranger things have happened. Um, and and But it, we might have a general election and it might spell the end of the Conservative Party here in the UK. Some will argue that's a very good thing. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, it'd be interesting well, to see what the chat says. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, let's be honest, uh, Sunak and co don't really have a lot of fans out there, especially among uh, our ilk. But then again, you know, the alternative Starmer and Labour is uh, arguably a much worse proposition. And I, I hate the way, Gemma, that it's got to the way, uh, the point at which now you're looking at you know, whether you believe in the electoral process or not, or whether you believe in politicians or not, they're there. They're not going away anywhere. There's got to be somebody in that position of government, at least for the foreseeable future. And it's almost the case of, okay, we want the best person for the job, not the least bad person for the job. So we're looking at Labour and we're looking at uh, the Tories. There isn't really any alternative out there at the minute. And you're thinking, well, it's not which one of these is better. It's which one of these is less horrific than the other. And uh, that's not a good way to be uh, when you're thinking about this affects our future. It affects the future of the next generation. The fact that these numpties uh, are going to be in power for the next however many years, whether it be Sunak or whether it be Starmer, I don't think Britain is on a particularly good trajectory with either of them at the helm. And sadly, it's people like us that are picking up uh, the pieces as a result of that. And the next generation, look at the damage that was caused with the school lockdowns. Look at the damage that's been caused uh, to the NHS waiting list. Look at the amount of people that are dying in excess numbers every, you know, every week that's happening at the minute. You know, the country is an absolute crisis and, you know, Starmer and co replacing Sunak, I don't think it's going to change that effectively. It might actually make bad situation even worse. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, uh, you know, I am very disenfranchised with the political system myself. I can't remember the last time I voted. I didn't even vote in the Brexit referendum. I just thought I refuse now to give my own power away to an external authority to tell me how to live my life. And I know that a lot of people around the world feel the same way now, the complete disillusionment with the political system because we see it for what it is. But unfortunately, you are right. It's still there. It still governs. Uh, and it's in its extremist sense, you know, government control of the mind, and and we pay the price for the decisions that they make economically, uh, socially, you know, and spiritually. Actually, I would say so. You know, we can bring the, we need to bring these stories to the table, even though a lot of people are saying this is ridiculous, too much attention to it. But if we have a general election tomorrow, it could get a hell of a lot worse here in the UK, and that's why we need to kind of keep abreast. And we'll obviously we'll have an update um, when I'm on air tomorrow morning, six o'clock a.m. UK time with Dean Mackin. That'll be four o'clock Australia time. We will have an update and we will know what is going on and what's happened overnight and whether our political landscape will be changing for the worst possibly. Yep. And, you know, respect you, finger always on the pulse there, keeping us updated right from the early hours of the morning here in the UK, right up until uh, the end of the Freeman Report, uh, which runs at uh, 11 to 12 p.m. UK time. And obviously you can adjust those times accordingly uh, for Australia. It's usually evening time and it's the early hours of the morning for our insomniac American listeners, uh, of which there are actually quite a few. But in the meantime, Gemma, appreciate the update on that one. This one isn't going away. Uh, it's continually developing. And as the developments continue to break, we shall continue to keep you updated here live only on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's James Freeman. We have new revised figures from the Office for National Statistics showing that legal, that's not illegal, that's legal, 
Net migration to the UK has witnessed one of the largest increases on record. Three quarters of a million additional people are now living in the UK in the space of just one year. A huge number that comes just three years after we left the European Union. Now, I didn't vote for Brexit because of immigration. I voted because of democracy, but millions did vote because they think too many people are coming into the country, which makes what the government has allowed to happen an absolute two fingers up to the people and democracy. Another example, if we needed another, of how the government does the exact opposite to what the people want and vote for. The Freeman Report and James Freeman on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. back from the west coast <laughs> here are those pictures that you asked for for your school project first day of school cute as a button <laughs> so long ago oh here's grandma florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood sometimes i just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here i can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day baby you're our legacy planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe and it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those beans smell heavenly. Mm -hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay. Smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. Without CO2, the world stops breathing. CO2 sustains all life on Earth. Government, the WEF, and the elite believe humans are the carbon they really want to be rid of. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, it's locked and loaded time. I'm Rick Munn, and I'm really happy to be joined again uh, by the one and only Jane Black, beaming in from the glens of Antrim up in the northeast part of Ireland, a very, very beautiful part of the world. And if you're ever thinking about visiting Ireland, of course, there's many beautiful places you can go to, the Ring of Kerry, Galway, Connemara. But for me, I've been all over Ireland, and there's nowhere better than the north, and especially the northeast or north down, which is where we're both currently inhabiting at the minute. It's lovely to have her back, just in case you don't follow her on the X platform. You can check out at Jane underscore underscore black. And in her own words, not mine, she's a freedom-loving Irish woman. She's a homesteader who grows chickens no she keeps chickens she grows vegetables not chickens and uh she loves food nutrition and a little bit of commentary about what's going on in the world right now i know you're a little bit of a health guru uh jane i'm feeling a little bit picky this morning the wife's been banging mm -hmm. cursetin into me vitamin d vitamin c into me plenty of water Anything else I should be considering to get the old uh, the old uh, energy levels back up again today, or should that do the job? Mm. Well, as as a body coach, Jimmy always says, can't bike on your hybridized wheat. That is a big one. Too much starchy wheat, white flour, white products. If you can cut back on those, you'd be doing good. I'm trying really hard so as have, well. It's not easy. Does that it's mean I have to stop it? have to stop eating the blueberry and lemon scones because if the answer to that is yes, I'd rather stay sick, to be quite honest It would be because they're full of white flour, basically. As Kate, Kate always says on Sunday, I try and listen to her every week. She's really good, actually. Um, she always talks about hybridised wheat, but not everybody will really know what hybridised wheat is. Hybridised wheat is literally wheat that is sort of modified, hybridised with another wheat to make a bigger like wheat grain. So there's more starch in it, more flour. So therefore, there's more carbohydrate. 
and it's not as good for you because they take the wheat germ out of it and they also take the bran off it. So you're just having the white starch. That's all it is. It's just pure carbohydrate. If you can cut that out, you'll be doing well. But it's so difficult because oh, I bake I bake cakes, so I it oh, kills man. me. And you know what? We and- we got into this little place on Sunday morning. Went out for a drive. We ended up in this little cafe. It's almost impossible to get into it on a Sunday. It's bunked. Uh, the stuff that mm-hmm. the home baked stuff and it's incredible. And they made these uh, raspberry. Uh, scones and I said to my wife actually for the first time uh, in a long time you know the way you dust the 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 surface of your uh, you know your preparation area with flour and then you roll the scones in it you put them into the oven well when I this one came out uh, you could taste all the flour that was on the bottom of it and I haven't tasted that in a scone in a very very long time and boy uh-huh. was it a good scone so yeah I'm, yes. I'm uh, very partial to Proper a good scone homemade. so mm-hmm. be hard for me to do away with that but for the benefit of my health and uh, to maintain my broadcasting career, I may just have to take one for the team when it comes to my scone uh, and, and indulgences. But anyway, appreciate the hint on that one. And uh, for anyone mm-hmm. else that's listening in there too, you know what? As you get a little bit older, and I'm finding this now too, I'm looking at my life and I'm thinking, okay, I'm 50 now. Uh, I've maybe got, if I, if I get my three score years and 10, that's only another 20 years left. You know, I've got to make the best of whatever time I have left and be as healthy as possible. So I'm trying to walk and eat a little bit more sensibly now. But I think with everybody, uh, Jane, there's room for improvement. But you've got to balance it, don't you, between actually enjoying your life and, you know, being a, you know, a, a health freak, don't you? Well, I'm far from a health freak, to be honest with you. And like you said, as you get older, it's very much, it's so difficult to keep weight off. I've gained an awful lot. Plus from the start of COVID, let's face it, we were all overeating. We all were, I've gained a lot. But you can't, obviously, restrict yourself completely. I wouldn't completely cut out everything. You have to have maybe allow for at least one day a week off because you can't do it all the time. It's just impossible. Yeah, Smoothies right. are a good I'm way of keeping fit. They're good. Smoothies and put lots of seeds and what have you. And I, I do that a lot in kefir. Kefir, I swear by fermented goods. I swear by that for right. your health. Well, let me ask you a question. This is totally random. Uh, before we get into uh, the Ireland stuff here, I was watching um, a podcast last night with a guy and I'd read somewhere before and I didn't understand why that if you blend fruit or, you know, you put fruit, make, for example, a fruit smoothie, of course, you're taking in all the uh, nutrients, you're taking in all the, mm-hmm. the, the vitamins and all the goodness there as well. But what this guy said was, he said, if you eat a banana, for example, uh, when you when you eat it in your mouth, the saliva does something or enzymes happen in your mouth before it gets to your stomach and less of it uh, is converted into, I don't know, carbohydrate or, or, you know, the carbs in that are not converted the way they would be if you blended it and it went straight into your stomach. Uh, I only took them at face value in this one. Is there any truth in that, do you think? Um, well, he's actually better? right because... He's actually right to an extent because your your saliva contains what's called amylase. Amylase mm-hmm. is an enzyme which helps digest starch. So initially when you actually eat and you're chewing the food, you're swallowing it and it's actually sort of like, it's like pre-digestive juices before it actually mm-hmm. enters the stomach. Also, whenever you're pl- blending and pureeing fruits and what have you and you put them into a blender, you're um, emasticating the, the fibre. So you're not getting like a whole solid fibre, you know, as you would chew it, it wouldn't be as, as mushed up as much, say. So therefore, yeah. whenever it's going into your stomach, it's probably going through your system quicker. And if it's fruits, there's high fructose in fruits. So perhaps you're maybe getting too much of the fructose, which then can be stored in your liver if you're not burning that off. So don't be smoothie and fruits all day, every day. And, you know, one smoothie a day is fine, say. Yeah. But it literally gets stored in your liver, your fructose, if you don't burn it off. Uh-huh. Interesting that uh, digesting it in your mouth—that's correct. 
Yeah, interesting that one too. Little things like that, I think it's good to bring them up in these conversations because, you know, things can be very hard and heavy when it comes to world events. And, you know, we can get so preoccupied mm -hmm. with what's going on in the world. Literally, we neglect our actual world, which is our human, you know, the bodies in which we live in. Because, you know, if you if you haven't got your own house in order and you haven't got your own body in order, it really doesn't matter what's happening in the rest of the world. Uh, you're going to probably die prematurely or live an uncomfortable, unhealthy life. So nice to be able to touch on a few issues like this uh, with yourself. Mm -hmm. I know you study this stuff uh, extensively and you're a big advocate uh, for personal health. So we can only give you a big uh, TNT thumbs up for that one. We've got to take a quick news break. And when we do, I've highlighted so many things. Uh, Ireland is just a hotbed of activity at the minute. It seems to be the attention of the world is on Ireland because of all the wrong reasons, Jane. And when we come back, let's touch on a few of those reasons here live on TNT Radio. Don't go away. Now, where trusted newscasters deliver the day's news at the same reliable time. TNT Radio News. That sounds awesome. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is back in Washington, demanding more money and weapons from Congress. Ukraine is now threatening to boycott next year's Olympics in Paris after Games bosses gave Russian athletes the green light to compete under a neutral flag. And Israel has been accused of using white phosphorus bombs supplied by Washington to attack a small village in southern Lebanon. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365, we never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. Oh, we're just having a laugh here about Northern Ireland. Strange things happen here in Northern Ireland. That little video clip of Vladimir Putin on a horse where we're saying it looks like uh, the Glens of Antrim, which is where uh, Jane actually lives. So maybe, I don't know, she'll wake up some morning, she'll go out to feed those chickens, and a shirtless Vladimir Putin will go galloping past on his way to Port Glenone. Who knows, Jane? Stranger things have actually happened. So uh, some of the madness uh, that's going on in Ireland, predominantly the Republic of Ireland at the minute, uh, there's an absolute menace a menace, if ever there was one, who's currently vying for my top slot of greatest menace in all of politics, which is Helen McEntee, the so-called Justice Minister uh, in the Republic of Ireland. She's uh, really thrashing out uh, the hate speech laws that she's adamant she wants to have enforced by the end of this year. Uh, she She's calling people far right. When she's pushed on this, she can't define what far right is. When she's asked for a definition of hate, she can't tell us what hate is. Uh, she claims to be a woman, but she can't define what a woman is. It's a sad state of affairs when you have a woman that doesn't know what a woman is uh, pushing hate laws and she doesn't know what hate is to well, the far right, and she doesn't know what the far right is either. And I want to give you a quote and it'll get your uh, opinions on this. Someone dug up a video of Leo Varadkar 
from back in 2008, okay, and how his tune has changed. In February uh, 14th, 2008, Leo Varadkar said in the doll that very quick immigration into Ireland has caused considerable difficulties in criminal justice and integration problems. He added, it is more important that where people are looking to attribute blame, they blame the right people, which in that time was the Irish government, of which he was, of course, not Taoiseach at the time. How his tune has changed. Uh, everything we would say now, he said back in 2008, and we're being branded far right, whatever that means. Yeah, Leo Varadkar's absolutely fell off it. Like, that's unbelievable. What a difference yeah. of opinion there. Just shows you, he'll tell you what he wants until he gets in, and then it changes completely when he actually is in. Mm -hmm. It's just the same. They're all the same. All the same people. So he's, he says to blame the government, and that was, of course, when he was in opposition at the time before he was mm -hmm. uh, elected Taoiseach. Now, this is going back, what, 15 years? So he was a young, mm -hmm. uh, you know, controversial politician back then. But literally, the stuff that we're seeing now is a problematic for Ireland. He was effectively endorsing that mindset back in 2008. And now, of course, he's coming at us from the other end, wanting to silence us and shut us down due to so-called mis- and disinformation. So can you see um, Ireland, again, going back to McEntee, Ireland last week, they said, is a breaking point when it comes to accommodation for uh, asylum seekers, refugees, uh, international protection applicants. There's literally nowhere to put them. And yesterday again, McEntee brazenly went on to uh, Irish uh, media uh, made a live broadcast and she said the situation is not going to change anytime soon in Ireland there are going to be people still coming into the country as they have been is that not at odds with what the cabinet was saying last week they were saying the country really is at breaking point there's really nowhere to put them now but McEntee doubles down in her position do you think it's an ego problem with her do you think uh, she knows about excess capacity that we don't well, think, I think they're all basically telling lies because the first of the matter is they know what's going on there. They want the people on the streets. They want the people riding and fighting and going mad because they can't get housed. They're building houses for Ukrainians and there's how many thousands down there homeless? Women and children as well. And then the real reason I think why they want to bring in the hate speech and the hate laws is because all of those corporations are in the South, all Facebook, Twitter, every one of them. If those hate speech laws come in in the South, if the Irish let that in, that means all the corporations that are registered there will have to apply to those hate laws. That means all of our free speech, I would believe, Twitter, Facebook, all of them, they'll have to comply with those hate speech laws. I would assume that's the reason why they're pushing it in the South of Ireland. I don't know. That's what I believe. Do you think we've been insulated to a degree uh, up in the north where we are? And, and I know you're in a rural area up in the Glens of Hunter, a beautiful place where I am too is quite insulated from all this. Although there are um, uh, there is a hotel and not too far away from me that's housing a lot of, um, you know, so-called migrants or uh, immigrants, whether legal or not. We don't seem to have this problem to the degree that the Republic has at the minute, you know, is is that uh, is that going to continue, do you think? Because I know there are more people coming into the North, but we're nowhere close to the situation that is happening, for example, in Dublin or in uh, you know, Cork City or in Limerick or in Kenny, various Irish towns that have been mm -hmm. completely swamped with people They've coming in. They've swamped them intentionally, I believe. We haven't been swamped yet in the north, no, I would say, yet. but is it a case of yet? Do you think it will filter its way uh, north of the border? Well, it definitely will, because if you look at the, I spoke to you before in one of my um, interviews with you, Rick, there's a document and it's United Nations Replacement Migration. And it's actually posted on Twitter, well, X, whatever you want to call it, last night. Mm -hmm. So if 
posted it and you can put the links there. You can actually go and re read yeah. it. This is an intentional plan to flood all of European countries with migrants and it's called replacement migration. It was drawn up by the United Nations many years ago. It's a plan. They've planned this for many years to mix um, ethnic communities with our communities to make a more multicultural people and also to replace our dying reproductive population because we're not having enough children because I think on well, the average we're having 2.1 whereas before like I don't know but your family like many families like 10 children six children it's not that anymore it's everybody's having 2.1 or less there's very few families that you see there's six children now if you see that now here in Ireland like that was common here I know a family that's yeah. like 18 children most of my friends families Catholic families huge families yes. 18 children I know what my best friend's family I think there was 13 children my family was a big family. There were six in my family. Mm -hmm. But now if you see a family with six children, it's so bizarre to see. I look at it and I think it's amazing. You, I mean, yeah. when was the last time you've seen a family of six kids? It doesn't uh, happen. A long, a long time ago. And right. also even just just demographically as well. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, when, when I was younger, you know, in my teens and in my early 20s, if you left it, for example, to your mid-20s, you know, pushing 30 before you actually got married, you would be like, wow, you've really left it late, mm -hmm. haven't you? You know, my... Uh, parents or uh, my wife's parents, you know, they were married at 20, 21. They're having families by 23, 24, you know, yes. bigger families. But now, uh, again, I can only just uh, go by my own experience here, but it seems to be uh, people, if they do get married, if that's what's right for them, they're leaving it later and later. And certainly there's not that uh, push for uh, children to be born. And again, it's a personal thing. Some people don't want kids and I respect that. Other people are like, well, you know, I'm going to lose my freedoms. You know, everything's a trade-off off Jane but the fact is I don't think there's anywhere close to the amount of uh, children being born here I used to work in an office um, for 11 years and it was predominantly all women working in there and all the young girls in there none of them were uh, engaged or none of them were married and none of them had kids pushing away up into their 30s which would have been unheard of an entire generation before that's just what I'm seeing as well with my own two eyes Totally unheard of. Women were years ago were supposed to be at home looking after the children. They've totally changed that where it's, oh, a woman has to be independent. You have to be, you know, out work and go and provide, be independent. And it's like you don't need a man to support you and all the rest of it. So women are obviously leaving having children later because that's what they've been convinced to do. But this has always been the intention to bring the population down to then do what they're doing now. Like, let's face it, what's happening now in the world has been planned for many, many years. These people are very, very clever. If you think about what I've, they've done this past three years, it's absolutely unbelievable what has happened to well, our world. Well, we're talking uh, just before you came on in the last hour with Darren, and um, what we were saying was, you know, these things don't just happen overnight. They're planned for a long time. The execution of them can take a long time. And then all of a sudden, people can be left scratching their heads saying, hey, how did we get into this position? Why is this the way my country is now? But it didn't happen overnight, Jane. It happens over a period of time. It's like a chess mm -hmm. game. It takes a while to set your pieces up. It takes a while for you to actually put a good position together before you can launch you know, into the end game. And I think now what we're starting to see in terms of the globalist playbook is they're starting to move the pieces towards you know, the mid game. They're now starting to move it towards the end game. And I think people are starting to see it, even the like of the topics that we're discussing here about uh, you know the lack of... Uh, children being born, uh, the destabilization of the family unit, the, the countries are being swamped with illegal immigrants, predominantly men. Uh, that's just the way that it is, not economically mm. viable, creating uh, some horrific crimes as well, unvetted, no identification, 
put up at the Irish taxpayers' expense. It's just a, a, a breeding ground for contempt, I think, on many on many sides, and people are understandably getting angry. And old Schwab himself said, uh, whenever he rolled out his uh, Great Reset book, he said, you know, the world will become an angrier place. And I, I think I'm seeing that. Uh, people are very disgruntled at the minute. They're not happier than they were, you know, five or ten years ago. I think they're more hacked off. In a way, I look at it like as in, in China, as in when uh, Chairman Mao took hold, they had done what was, was called the Great Leap Forward. They took time to get everything in set in place. And that's what they're doing pretty much here. It's one thing and then another thing and another thing. And it's always going to be the Hegelian dialectics, which is problem, reaction, solution. Uh -huh. But they will take every problem that happens. For example, what happened in the South at Stabon? That happened. They used it to their advantage. And then now they're going to do something. They're going to react to that problem. And that then will further their agenda. That is what they do. So the whole story about what happened in the South, it's very confusing because I don't, I'm not really sure what happened. I heard that it was a white child. Then I held it was a multicultural, multi-race child. Okay. There's no truth to that whole story. I don't know what exactly happened. But I know this, the people were on the street. Then whenever the people are on the street, they'll further their advantage there again. Riots, what do they do? They bring in more controls. We have to bring in more hate laws. They will further their agenda every time the people react. It's like putting ants into a jar. I, th I think you, heard, you might have heard this. You put two different types yeah. of ants into jars. Red ants, black ants. You put them into a jar, That's they'll right. be fine. But once you lift the jar and you shake that jar, they're all yeah. going to react and fight. That's what they're doing. And they're just going to yeah. keep using every every event to keep going. And then it'll be the hate laws. And then whenever the hate laws and the anti-free speech, oh my goodness, that's us. That's a nightmare. If the Irish people let that happen, I would be, f I, I don't know. I don't know what that, what's going to happen then. Well, you know what? You know, I'm of the same... I'm the, the same mindset as you. Surely, surely we can't allow that to happen. But to be, let's be honest about this. If you cast your mind back over the last three years, do, did you foresee the Roman Catholic and the Protestant nope. Church closing every single place of worship and Absolutely preventing not. people from coming during the, it didn't happen during the wars. It's never happened in history before. Did you foresee uh, parents accepting schools to be closed down and their children's mental health being destroyed while they did Zoom lessons and their grades suffered and their mental health and social skills suffered? That happened as well. Did you foresee the like of Robin Swan lie month in, month in, year in, year out as the so-called health minister, stopping kids from going out and playing five-a-side football, but yet allowing McDonald's to remain open. You could still go with the off-license. You could buy alcohol and booze, but you couldn't go and buy certain items of you know sanitary uh, products or, or hygiene products because of restrictions here. Did you think Belfast City Centre, you would have to show a vaccine passport to be able to go into a pub to drink a pint of beer, but not to go into a Starbucks to drink a cup of coffee? Because because it was done on alcohol uh, licensing of the premises. Think about all that. Or did you think people would line up and take these injections? And then it would come out that they didn't work. They weren't safe. They weren't effective. And they kept going back for more. I tell you, uh, Jane, this is a bizarre, bizarre time to be alive because I'm of the same mind. Surely the Irish wouldn't accept this. Surely the Irish wouldn't accept that. But given what they have accepted over the last three years, I think uh, a crumbling to a hate speech law, I don't know that there will be any resistance to that. It seems to be coming from external. Everyone else is talking about it, apart from the Irish people themselves, in the main. I know, it's shocking. It's so hard to believe. This is Ireland, for flip's sake. We know what people do. Well, what people used to do, whenever something was wrong, they'd be out in the streets and tell you what, those politicians would not be in storm in two minutes. They would be held to account. But, like we're living in different times, it's like the slow progression of dumbing people down to the point where they are so they're so stupid. We are living in the worst time of stupid stupidity. People are so dumb.
So therefore, these things will happen. And we are being, children at school are being taught by teachers who have been dumbed down to a point of stupidity. Children are being taught by stupid people. So therefore, as time goes on, people become less and less aware of anything. And they rely on the likes of BBC, the news and all the rest of it. And now, obviously, social media is the biggest programming, programming of all our people. And they're using algorithms. And like, for example, the people think free speech and Twitter, waking up. The algorithms are telling you what you're wanting to hear. They want you on the system. They want you with your blue tick. They want you registered. So your bank's registered to Twitter. So then you say the wrong thing, you'll be shut out of bank. Your bank will be shut down. Waking up, it's all part of it. They will tell you what you want. And now Alex Jones is back on. This is the next big thing. Just perfect timing. They will take them back because this is the next part of the program. And now Alex Jones, I listened to Alex Jones many many times and there's an awful lot of things Alex Jones have said that I will totally agree with. And he was always on about vaccines and stuff. I'm sure you know that as well. But yeah. Alex Jones is a Zionist. 100%. I watched a video and I had it saved, but I think it's been wiped off YouTube. Mm-hmm. And he outright said he was a Zionist. And if you're a Zionist, you support the state of Israel and the Greater Israel Project. And if you don't know what that is, go and research it. That's the whole mm-hmm. of, all of that whole area in the Middle East has been taken out. You need to understand that. They want to take out that whole area of the Middle East. And that's a lot it's of a people. It's a little bit also like uh, Trump. Trump also, you know, he has this huge following as mm-hmm. well. People think he's going to be, you know, the next uh, savior uh, to come along back into the White House, uh, make America great again. But there's that fly in the ointment, which is his uh, claim to be the godfather of the vaccine, the godfather of Operation Warp Speed. And he makes absolutely no apologies about that whatsoever. So I think, Jane, the message is with all these people, the people hold in high regard, if you dig deep enough and you know enough about them, there's always a huge question mark in some of the things that they say that should cause you to question everything else that they say, or at least the legitimacy of what they're saying and the honesty with which they claim to be saying it. So interesting uh, info there about old Jones. And as you rightly said, he's back on X again. I don't follow the guy, to be honest with you, but I know a lot of people do. And again, Musk acting as God complex said, the people have spoken in the poll. I will bring it to pass yeah. like Caesar in the Colosseum. Exactly. You know, the thumbs up or the thumbs down for the gladiator. Who does this guy actually think mm-hmm. he is. But anyway, uh, we've, got, we've got to take a brief pause for a news break before I get completely exasperated. And when we come back, some more domestic issues to discuss concerning Ireland here only on TNT Radio. Don't go away. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. Last week, Elon Musk, the owner of X, was asked about the boycott uh, of advertisers like Disney and Apple who have pulled off the site after he uh, retweeted an anti-Semitic tweet and for some other reasons. And uh, he didn't hold back in his response. Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go fuck yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. And he says that if the boycott forces X to close up shop, the public will know who to blame. What this advertising boycott is uh, is, is gonna do, it's, it's gonna kill the company. And you think that that- uh, I, but, And the whole world will know that those advertisers killed the company and we will document it in great detail. But they're gonna say that, they're gonna say, Elon, that you killed the company because you said these things and that they were inappropriate things and that they didn't feel comfortable on the platform, right? That's, that's and, what and they're let, gonna say. And let's see how Earth responds to that. Earth to Elon, only time will tell. Thanks for giving me a minute, I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, 
right here on TNT Radio Vision. The challenges our planet's animals are facing sometimes feel a bit heavy. The animals haven't eaten in a day, two days. They haven't drank anything. They're cold, they're dehydrated. But remember, there's good happening right now. At home. All right, we were able to get into your unit and we have all four of your cats. So, uh... Okay. And around the world for any animal, any disaster. Search ifa.org forward slash disaster ready. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we're back uh, for the last 13 minutes of the show here today. Massive thanks to everyone for uh, keeping us propped up and keeping us going in the live chat this morning. It's been very buoyant as always. Uh, We talked just before the break, Jane, about uh, hard to believe Ireland would tolerate A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. Forgot to include in that, uh, you know, the... I would just say sexualization of children in schools, uh, introduction of uh, you know white privilege and gender theory as well. That's all been introduced uh, in Irish schools as well. They're trying to push that through drag queens, uh, talking to children in public libraries, uh, wearing fetish gear. You know, when we were young and growing up, if, if, if you and I went into the public library and a man came in in a pair of you know, thigh-high PVC boots and started reading stories to kids, he would probably have been kneecapped or uh, nutted by the local paramilitaries, would he not? He would have been trailed out and shot. And that's a fact. Uh-huh. That would never have happened in Ireland, ever, uh-huh. north or south. But because uh-huh. they've been so dumbed down, they're accepting it. But a lot of people aren't accepting it, but that's to drive the heat and the, the whole friction. But that's that's all cultural Marxism. Uh-huh. It's to get the people on the far right to not just be, not just to be on the right. There's a the right or the left. Ideally, I would have been very much on the left since COVID's uh-huh. happened. Things have totally changed, right? So I'm I'm uh-huh. like, well, they say on the right and the left. But it's to push people who would be normal people, like, say, for example, mm-hmm. me, just a normal mother, to be out in the street fighting and rioting. They want to push people to extremes. So this whole drag queen thing, bringing, bringing this in is to make people go crazy to the point of bringing mass chaos, fights, riots, more laws and regis- legislation will then come in because of that. But they want to do that. That's what They want to push people so far that eventually we'll trail our governments out and then a new government will be taken from I believe the greater state of Israel will lead yeah. our new world order government. I have to make it clear as well, by the way, in case uh, you know we're uh, being monitored or anyone wants to take legal action against us. I'm not advocating that drag queens should be taken and shot in, in the knees or in the head. I'm just saying that in the old days, especially in the north of Ireland, uh, mm-hmm. behaviour like that, from the paramilitaries or the you know the terrorist organizations that would have resulted in a very swift and uh, not very pleasant response. So we're not obviously advocating that. We wouldn't want to see that happening to anyone. I'm just saying that's what would have no, been the case not. back in the day, especially mm-hmm. when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. It would have been absolutely uh, unheard of. Enoch Burke, mm-hmm. who's a teacher in Ireland, I think we should actually give him some time. That guy's currently languishing in Mountjoy Prison. Enoch Burke has been incarcerated in Mountjoy Prison, Dublin, since the 8th of September this year, ostensibly for breaching an injunction, instructing him to stay away from his former workplace, uh, a school in Westmeath, a Church of Ireland diocesan institution. The matter relates to Burke's religious and moral objection to pertaining to addressing a male student by their preferred pronouns, he, she, her, thereby, thereby affirming their gender dysphoria. Also worth noting, he spent over 100 days in Mountjoy Prison last year also. So in total, Jane, he's been locked up for nearly 
nearly 200 days in total. Many regard him as a prisoner of conscience who demonstrates integrity and determinedness rarely seen these days. He's also, by all accounts, a very proficient and dedicated teacher. His pupils still stand by him and support him 100%. Uh, it also goes on to say that there are men being caught and convicted and going through Irish courts uh, for child pornography and child abuse and sexual abuse cases, and they're receiving suspended sentences. And here we have this chap, Enoch Burke, who simply made a stand. And yes, he's uh, breaching a contempt of court, but his mentality is, why should I stop? going to my place mm -hmm. of work? Why should I stop going to my school? Why should I stop educating these children uh, just because of uh, protocols and one thing and another? So racked up huge fines, spent 200 odd days in Mountjoy Prison. He's a pretty serious individual. See, legally, did he actually initially break the law by not addressing that child as he, she, her, whatever? I mean, was no, that in legal? No, so that, that wasn't, legally that wasn't the problem. It's because he no, broke the, problem, the court order. It, yeah, the problem is they told him to stay away from the school, okay, pending an investigation. Mm -hmm. So he refused. He said, this is where I work. This is where I've trained. I've trained to be a teacher. My pupils are there. They need to be taught. Uh, it will remove stability. It will cause all sorts of ructions if I'm not there. And he, he insisted on going back. Now, technically speaking, that's what landed him in prison last year for contempt of court. They released him at Christmas because it would have been terrible PR for the Irish government to have him locked up at Christmas time as a, as a professing Christian teacher who simply was looking out for his kids. They let him out, but now he's back in again, and he just will not back down in this one. I think uh, I haven't seen anybody as dedicated as this or as serious as this for a very, very long time in either the North mm -hmm. or the South of Ireland. Do you think he might inspire other people to take the kind of stand or is he just going to be a, a lone wolf uh just uh you know like john the baptist the voice of one crying in the wilderness no well i hope other people do take a stand because what he's done is right but tell you what he's very brave to do what he's doing because very few like would have literally like went to jail for that but obviously he did he knew what he was doing i'm sure he was aware that if he was going to break that attempt of or the court order that he would be put in jail and he did it because mm -hmm. he was standing up for what he believes in to be right which of course he is because there was no law to say that. But obviously they got him on that because he broke the court order. But that's what they do. It's they will do what they want. When they want, when they get an opportunity, they will do it. He's racked up a huge amount of fines as well. I can't remember what the amount was every day that he went there. He was standing protesting uh -huh. at the gates. I think it might have been 5,000 euro a day. So he's racked up a humongous amount of fines as well. Uh -huh. His family have got involved in this. I think his sister uh, is involved in the legal profession. They've been in court. The, the, it's been a very uh, strange turn of events, Jane, that whole story. And hopefully it does get resolved and they do back down in this because it doesn't look like he's going to quit this anytime soon. And fair play to him. Uh, like I said, I haven't seen any uh, Irish spurt like that in any Irish men or women for a very, uh, very long time. Uh, one last story mm -hmm. or possibly one last story to discuss before the top of the hour. Uh, there was a, a climate change guru has highlighted uh, a call to culling cattle. In Ireland, uh, you live in a rural part of Ireland, you'll see a lot of cattle out there, a lot of beef cattle, a lot of dairy cattle out there. A plan to cull 200,000 head of cattle in Ireland can only end in disaster, says geologist Ian Plymer. He has criticised the move for Ireland to cull 200,000 head of cattle uh, in a bold effort to meet climate change targets, which we all know are bunkum. Uh, he said the Irish know about this uh, from the potato famine, third the population died, a third emigrated, the same thing will happen again. They'll lose productive people from Ireland and they'll go somewhere else. So let's look at this. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to be another potato famine, but it could be something of the same ilk that drives a lot of people 
a lot of the younger generation, a lot of brain-educated uh, people out of Ireland to seek uh, pastures green somewhere else. And of course, that feeds in with the replacement uh, theory that we were talking mm -hmm. about earlier on, that people are going to be simply bust in from overseas to fill the gaps of the, the younger generation of Irish people leaving the country. Well, because I've obviously lived in the rural area, I'm aware of it, and plus, obviously, I knew that they would eventually try and cull animals. But I can remember talking to the farmers here way back, way before COVID, saying to them that this was going to happen. They thought it was crazy. They thought, looked at me, what? I says, look, they're going to try and take your cattle off you and your herds. But now they're realising. But, you know, like, if that happens, if the, the farming industry stops, obviously, you know yourself, farming locally, prices are going to go even further up. Mm -hmm. So what we're paying for now, we're going to be paying for a lot more. And like you said, all the youth will be going elsewhere to try and get work. Like, that was what happened. Like, I'm not sure you remember the time of the Troubles. All the youth here went to work in London. Mm -hmm. I tell my children that the youth, there was no work here because of the troubles. And I never knew hardly anybody who stayed here. They all went to London because there was no work. The same will happen. Farming is a massive industry the, here. It's even the same as bands. You remember bands, uh, if you ever went to gigs when you were growing up uh, over here, very few bands would have actually played Ireland, or some of them would, uh, but band arts, they would have played Dublin, yeah. they would have played all around the UK, but to come to Belfast, especially if they were playing in the Ulster Hall or anywhere near the Europa, which was the world's most bombed mm -hmm. hotel, slap bang in the middle of Belfast, it was a dangerous uh, place to have gigs, and it certainly put a lot of people off coming here for entertainment purposes, and of course, it stopped a lot of people going out and being entertained, and this didn't happen, you know, two and three hundred years ago, we're only talking about, what, 50, 40, 50 years ago, back in the 70s, mm -hmm. uh, into the 80s, and even into the early 90s as well. These things were still happening on Irish soil. So a throwback to the potato famine in the 1800s, I'm not saying that it's going to go that bad, or maybe it will, but certainly if mm -hmm. you remove 200,000 head of cattle from Northern Ireland's herds, bearing in mind that the population of this country is only, what, two and a half million people in the north of Ireland, uh, you know, 200K of cattle is a huge amount per head of capita or per head of population that we currently have in Northern mm -hmm. Ireland, it's not like it, it would be absorbed like it would be in, you know, Russia or anywhere else. It's going to be a big hit for us, I would imagine. It would be a massive hit. Think of the difference. Like it's like they're even trying to pay them off. I'm sure you've seen that. They're trying to pay the farmers off and then they're bringing in this rewilding plan. I'm sure you know about that. Obviously, they're paying the farmers off to stop farming and to retire early. They're giving them a massive lump sum. You can find it online. You'll see it at the government website. You can apply for it if you're a farmer and all that. Um, they're also doing rewilding plan. I'm trying to keep my, wee, my eye on that, looking on, um, mm. is it the deer website and stuff? Mm -hmm. They're giving farmers extra money. Now, we're coming away from the single farming, farming payment from the EU. The British payment is now going to be given to farmers. The UK government are going to give farmers a payment as opposed to the EU Farmers here used to get a single farm, farm payment for the, I think it's the amount of acres they have in their farm. Mm. So now that we're away from the EU, the UK government's given money to the farmers. Without that money, a lot of farmers would go under. They mm. need that money every year, especially the small, small farms. But the, there's the rewilding project. And if you don't comply to the rewilding, so plant hedges, use this field for wildflowers or some nonsense, mm. then you don't get your single farm payment. So in other words, the farmer who used to put his cows in that field, say 200 head of cattle, mm. if he takes those cattle off that field and plants hedges all around and puts wildflowers or plants trees, there's a big mm. push in the tree planting, mm -hmm. then he will get his payment. But if he has the cows on it, he won't. Do you see what I'm saying? So do. do as you're told, you'll get the money. If you don't do as you're told, you don't get the money. So therefore you're going to risk farmers, especially small, they don't earn that much. 
the big farmers maybe, but not the way they should be. And everything's just limited and they have to watch everything, every cattle. There's a number on them. They're all counted for. You can't have an extra cow or they'd be no. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. Just trying the other to end thing all that, farming. The other thing I uh, just to bear in mind with farming as well, just as we wrap things up here, is uh, it's a very generational type of thing. You know, probably a farm was inherited from a farmer's father whose grandfather farmed it and he'll pass it down onto his children. So if farmers get out of the business of farming by taking these huge grants, maybe get out altogether, maybe some of them are older men, maybe they've got a wee house, you know, they pass the money on to the kids. And what are the kids going to do? They're not going to pick up the mantle. They're going to mm -hmm. take that money and maybe emigrate with it or go somewhere else or get into out of the business altogether. And of course, this means less beef, uh, less eggs, less milk, uh, less uh, produce for us to consume here. And of course, that's not going to be a good thing. But listen, we're up to time. Can you believe it? The R has run away with us. So a huge thanks to uh, Jane Black from the Glens of Antrim. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Probably won't speak to you before Christmas. So have a good one. Stay tuned All the for best. James Freeman. Thank you very much. You Stay too. Tuned for you James too, right? Freeman. Thanks for having me. All the best. You're welcome. He's incoming now, so don't go away. Uh, stay tuned for him, and I'll be back again tomorrow, all being well here on TNT Radio. Have a good day.